So thank you all for coming to Cock Talk. He has trouble counting change with the with the with the hands thing. Wait, wait, stop. Sorry. Yes, but I don't yeah. think that Dana Carvey's movie um, coming out at that same time was really that big a problem for our country. I still don't know why you're making such a big deal about September 11th, 2001. I mean, I fucking hate you. Well, you know, they don't necessarily need to be anathema, but they are definitely on different ends of the spectrum. Oh boy, how? See, I have every, a genetic predisposition every, against redheads, so because yeah, because you are one, right? Yeah, combustion. Yeah, we've yeah. heard it before. Yep. The only time I change the setting so, is when so, I take the okay. uh, hair trimmer down to the nether regions. Like that's the only time. Other than that, it's all just a two. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I just don't know how about you all? I'm joking. I use V. After the four Gospels, what's the next book of the Bible? Acts. Okay. And after that, it's Romans, isn't it? I'm drunk. Um, yeah, Romans. Okay, yeah. Yes. Okay. And if you look at the 15th chapter of Romans, okay, uh, you will find that it actually mentions uh, the ability to arm yourself. That's why it's AR-15. Thank you. Checkmate atheists. And, and anytime there's action in the ring, Scott Hall is taking all the bumps because Kevin Nash kind of sucks as a worker. vibrating at about 1500 Hertz like all day um, because a, a model kit went on pre-order today um, that is a character from the Warhammer 40 K setting that um, I have been waiting to see on the tabletop since I was 13. Um, and yeah, and it and it went on pre-order today, and I got confirmation from our local friendly local gaming store uh, that uh, my pre-order was was put down. And as soon as it arrives in the store, I can show up and and have it in my palsied little geek boy hands. <laughs> and yeah, so so while I was busy working in my backyard all day today, um, that was going on in the back of my head. That was that was what. That was the happy place that kept me from basically wanting to die uh, while I while I used an axe to cut tree roots and and try to wrestle with a rototiller. So yeah, how about you? Well, I'm Damien Harmony, and I am my kid's dad. No, uh, I'm <laughs> I'm Damien Harmony, and I am a Latin and high school U.S. history teacher up here in Northern California. Uh, and, uh, my big news is my daughter came home today. Uh, you know, as, as you know, we split homes, um, and she got right to cooking because she is hosting D and D tomorrow. And oh. so she made halfling chili, 
Uh, okay. She made um, the Otix uh, skillet potatoes. Um, nice. And then tomorrow she's getting up a little early to make uh, some sort of um, uh, bacon asparagus spears, which is apparently an elvish dish. Okay. And, and she's also making something else that I've forgotten what. Um, so it, it should be good. Um, I, I did tell her, uh, yo, if you're hosting, other people are supposed to make food for you. Um, but I said, but you're also trying to get newbies into the game. So this is good, but start encouraging them to bring other things. So where's the Mountain Dew? Right, exactly. Yeah. I should go get Funyuns. <laughs> I should go get Funyuns. Oh, yeah, there you go. So, yeah. but they loved Very her cool. cooking last time. So I think they're going right. to the heck out of it this time. The other thing uh, that is just really weird to me, um, years and years ago when we started this, okay, back in uh, the Halcyon days of April of 2019, that's when we started recording. Holy or that's cow. when we started releasing. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Which means we started recording in February or March. I'm trying yeah. to remember. Like, well, yeah. Like even further back than that, I think we started recording in the summer of 2019. 18 and we had 20 in the hopper as a result okay yeah but anyway when we started recording we were downstairs i am upstairs in my office we were downstairs Mm -hmm. uh in our at my uh dining room table yeah uh and then covid hit and we figured Ah. out a way to go digital and i think in some ways the the sound might have improved um but well it, it it created a situation where it was harder for me to bang on a table um, also true in the middle also of, of recording. Good. So yeah. that's an improvement, I yeah. suppose. So uh, yeah. to our dozen of fans, you're welcome. Um, but, <laughs> but also uh, it, it did change. It changed the dynamic in a lot of ways. And we, we adjusted and, you know, we've, we've, I, I have adjusted by just doing more research and hoping that that does it. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, Ed is presently at that table. I when am. I'm upstairs in my office. Um, yes. I assume Ed is at that table because he uh, needed needed a break from uh, being in the garden. Um, and normally he records in his garden. Uh, and so with all the digging, you need to let things settle, I, I assumed. Yeah, okay. Either um, way, Ed's yeah. at my house, and yet yes. I'm still not at the table with him recording. No. And the weirdest part is, is the background that he has is the background that I had for recall, for recording all the lessons that I did on YouTube. For my students when COVID hit. So it's just very strange to see the grammar. You're seeing your own, your own back, yeah. your own background. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really weird. It's like going to your grandparents' house across the country and finding that they also have Jeopardy mm-hmm. on TV, but it comes before Wheel of Fortune instead of yeah. after and instead and then of, you yeah. start to realize why is because it, it you want to leave old people with a good taste in their mouth so they don't know anything and then it's like well no you can't buy a comma um yeah and so yeah that's okay. that's how it feels yeah, yeah. So, right that works you know, i kind of want a fudge bar now that i will sneak the wrapper under the bed so my grandma doesn't find it so but uh, fun fact with us, uh, yes. as as before, the host of Face Palm in America, Mr. Beowulf Rockland. Hello, hey, hey, thank you so much for having me. How are you? Well, thank you. I'm for doing being okay. Here, you know, I, I, you talk about Jeopardy, sure, visiting grandparents. I visited, strangely enough, mm-hmm. the town where I live now. I was in the Bay Area in California where I grew up, 
Mm-hmm. And I went to a friend's house who, who lives in the town where I live now in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And we went to his grandparents' house and they were watching Jeopardy, which I imagine is something that grandparents all across the country still do. I know because mm-hmm. my my daughter and I will often call my parents and like we we do it between six and seven because we know once seven hits, the conversation has to stop because Jeopardy comes on. Unless it's Sunday, in which case it's sixty minutes. Okay, well, yeah. There you go. Yeah. That that makes sense. I can yeah. I can see that. So there there may be time shifts, you know, especially in that problematic central zone of the country, because I know it's a different time there. But sure. um but it really seems to be universal experience and I, I feel a sense of fellowship with you. Yeah, uh, Damien, because yeah. we're all part of, you know, we're all grandsons of some, and, and once we ascend to that level, we'll be sitting and watching Jeopardy at some point too, at the same time as as everybody else in the country. And, and by that uh, point, LeVar, LeVar Burton's daughter will be hosting it. <laughs> there, you so. go. there you go. There you go. Well, uh, so last time we had so much fun and left so much undone. Uh, when trying to explain why noir is a uh, noir, pardon me, noir is a different topic entirely, uh, why noir is uh, a worthwhile uh, genre. Um, and I figured we should continue and finish with that because you are uh, the, at least in this group, the expert on it. Sort of. I mean, I mean, yeah. I, I, well, I, you know, I took a college class in film noir. And, you know, I guess we sort of saw you know, one or two like neo-noirs, but, you know, I could jam about it. You know, I, yeah. I mean, noir has proliferated. Noir has had many children. It has been fruitful. It has multiplied uh, across the cinematic landscape of America and indeed the world. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And Certainly last can't, time. Can't argue against that. Yeah. Uh, so much so to the to the point where uh, you said there's a thing called neo noir. Um, yes. Yeah. Now, well, when does that hit? So I, I you know, it, it sort of develops in uh, as the '60s progress. I, I I get the sense that it almost started in a way uh, as as sort of a, a hybridization with the the French new wave. I mean, even if you look at uh, Breathless with uh, Jean Luc Godard in 1960 you can see it calling back to elements of film noir even though you couldn't by any stretch of the imagination call the movie itself uh, a film noir because uh, Jean-Paul Belmondo's character is constantly referencing uh, you know uh, Bogie and uh, you know Humphrey Bogart and their posters for uh, his last film the, the the harder they fall in in you know in behind him and then and then uh, Godard uh, does another film in the mid 1960s uh, Alphaville which begin which uh, incorporates those elements uh, more more heavily but I think it's really in the 1970s and I don't know whether it's a it's just a cultural moment caused by you know all these uh, you know unsettling elements or in part to do with the the film inter- industry and, and independence coming up but there are a whole bunch of uh, of movies that that come up that either one refer back to that era two draw on the same uh canon of of film noir hard-boiled uh detectives and in some cases are direct remakes of uh, movies that were uh, that were done in the 
uh, 40s that were part of the film noir canon. Um, Robert Mitchum, who mm -hmm. we discussed in some depth mm -hmm. uh, last time, uh, who did, um, gosh, like any any number of things, but Out of the Past is, is, is by far and away uh, my favorite one. He comes back and he uh, does A Farewell, My Lovely, plays Philip Marlowe in, in a remake mm -hmm. of Murder My Sweet, Okay. from 1944 you yeah. see so okay so the the original hard-boiled uh novel by uh by uh raymond chandler was called farewell my lovely but it starred um uh, an actor named dick powell and he had been famous in the 1930s uh as a singer as as a musical guy he was in the, the gold diggers of 1933 and the gold diggers of of 1935 and he wanted a career change he wanted didn't want to be th thought of as the young singer anymore so he tried to do a crime thing so they took an adaptation of uh of uh raymond chandler's farewell my lovely however it wasn't clear from the title that this was not another singing thing so they said let's change it to right. murder my sweet if it's got murder in the title <laughs> okay, people are going to know right. that this is, this is a crime thing. So, I mean, and that's a classic early film noir. But Robert Mitchum comes back in the 1970s mm -hmm. and remakes that movie based on the same book, but actually calls it by the name of the original book, Farewell, My Lovely. And he does also a remake of The Big Sleep, which uh, Humphrey Bogart did in uh, 1946, which is uh, another Raymond Chandler uh, adaptation and and then and then there is uh, the long goodbye which is done by uh, Robert Altman which is another mm. uh, gentler adaptation which is which hadn't been done before and um God, it, it, there, there's body heat uh which is uh, a, an adaptation of double indemnity really? um and the, and and uh the Chinatown is is right. is one of the classic uh, neo-noirs it is set uh as the other ones are in the mm -hmm. 1940s but it's uh it's it, it's a it's a new creation uh that um that jack nicholson uh starred in uh can and, i can yeah, i interrupt you there please um, so is is the is one of the things that makes it a noir the fact that it is set at that in that period or is setting in that period um, just kind of a shorthand? Because it seems like the originals were set in that period because they were contemporary. Right. So, like, you don't, you're not stuck in the 40s and with that style um, of clothing. Like, you could still hit the same themes. Yeah. And you could have done Chinatown with leisure suits, um, right. which would have been funnier. Um, but. <laughs> But well, I mean, just, and, and yeah. there were movies like that that were like Night okay. Moves with uh, with with Gene Hackman uh, was was okay. contemporary to the 1970s, but it developed on these same themes. So there were a bunch okay. of them that were literally set in the 1940s. Sure. Uh, set set in set in that area that that were uh, like a, a period pieces. The Long Goodbye actually was 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 set in the 1970s, even though mm -hmm. it's okay. it, it's the character that comes out of the 1930s and the 1940s. But you have a whole bunch of, of these that are literally throwbacks, and and out of that bloom all these other movies. Um, and you said in the 70s. I mean, Ed and I have talked about this a lot. 70s is the <laughs> era of the auteur. 
Yeah. Um, the the kind of the the new wave of uh, how to do movies, getting away completely getting away from the studio system and yeah. going in a different. It, it's essentially like okay, you, fine, you can get away from the studio system, but you still have to abuse your actors. Are you okay with that? Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. So, well, you know, and you mentioned and you mentioned Robert Altman in the Long right. Goodbye, and like there we are. Uh, you know, uh, and when we talk about auteur, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I, I have a question though, sure. um, in regard to the seventies being when this happened, um, do you get any sense that, that this revival being kind of a late sixties, early seventies thing is because of, um, you know, Vietnam and, uh, Watergate or do you think there's some other kind of force at work? My I sense have, is, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I have several follow-ups after you answer that. Yes. Okay. No, so, so my sense is that you have a whole bunch of different things going on at once. You have you have the, the wrapping up of the studio system with the rise of, of independence, and you've got a bunch of directors that come to prominence at that that time who grew up on this sort of thing mm. who 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 mm-hmm. thought this stuff is neat i want to i want to do some of this i want to i want to go back and make some of my favorite uh, films i think that you're also reacting you know sort of as you did to uh folks coming back from world war ii you have you know folks coming back from from vietnam you have um what is the way that I want to put it? You know, a, a, a lot of cultural crises go going on, and 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 reaction to it. And you have, I think, in general, a darker tone in filmmaking, which which definitely flows through these film noirs, and also a lot of other movies of the time. So I think you have multiple different strains pushing you toward it in the same way that you have multiple different things, you know, pushing you towards film noir. Well, some of which were cultural and some of which were economic. I mean, you answered almost all my follow-ups actually. Well done. Uh, (laughs) uh, I was also the expert. God damn it. You damn right. (laughs) Sort of. For sure. I read the Wikipedia page. (laughs) I did more than just open the search engine. All right. I actually clicked (laughs) on it. Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. My students are doing that all the time. They're like, okay, so I think it's this. I'm like, did you click on the Wikipedia link at least? Mm. Well, no. It just says right there and it highlights the words. I'm like, just click on the link. I mean, I can't believe. Read the article. Yeah. I can't believe I have to encourage you to go to Wikipedia. It's it's a great resource. It's wonderful. You know, I, I I used to, I, I, you, you guys grew up with the encyclopedias there and they were big chunky things and they'd never changed and they never updated. And when it comes to historical stuff, maybe not like contemporary stuff, but like when it comes to history it's a really good resource and it, it sends you off and, and provides you with a lot of ways to follow up and check on it. It's great yeah. stuff. All so, you have to do, click on the link. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. I, you know, I, yeah. I, I, I tell them all the time. It's a great starting place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to start. So, yeah. but okay. So um, uh, a couple of things I do want to uh, throw in there though, to, to ask about um, I, we're talking in the seventies. Mm-hmm. So you already hit the economic button for me. Cool. Uh, the the uh, same uh, crisis of masculinity is happening. Well, you have yeah. another crisis of masculinity. I'm not going to say it's yeah, it's a, it's a different one. one, but yeah, yeah. it is. Uh, it is another one. So sure. you have that. 
um, you have, uh, like I said, you know, the, the, the economic thing, there's a lot of, um, destabilization or, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, dysregulation, uh, in terms of what's going to happen next. Right. Because yeah. when noir gets started, like we're building a global world on purpose yeah. for once, instead of just and like then all the of a sudden there's the OPEC and the right. world order is changing. Mm -hmm. It's being dismantled. Everybody caught up. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Um, or started threatening to catch up. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I am curious. Um, there's there's a couple things that are also developing at the same time. One, I think I know the answer to, because when noir got started, so did a lot of horror films. Like you saw a mm. boom in the horror industry, and we we did this year uh, a couple years ago now. I think it was somewhere in the the teens of episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, that as people's and I I found charts and I found I collated a lot of data on this. As people's faith in the government dropped, possession mm. movies rose. Um, and that starts in. <laughs> <laughs> um. It's an interesting thing that it's happens. Interesting, because I was watching uh, Hereditary um, when right. it first came uh -huh. out. I'm like, why are we watching a possession movie? It's 2017. Uh -huh. Like, what's going on? Like, the last <laughs> possession movie that was any or near popular is Exorcist. Oh, I get it. Okay, because yeah. Trump is in the White House. That's right. Why? Um, like, but uh, because and so you got. Uh, I'm wondering where there. Uh, do do you see that parallel? But also, I, I noticed that there is a new thing happening as well. Um, and that is black exploitation films. Hmm. And I'm so, wondering if there was something commensurate in in the opening stages of noir that I missed on that, if you know. So, so you're talking about the initial noir boom, or are you talking about right. neo noir? Okay. So, in the initial First. noir boom, we saw a commensurate rise with horror films as well. Like, you had psychological thrillers. You had monsters who were, I mean, again, it wasn't quite the atomic monsters yet because you don't get to that until the, the late 40s and 50s, right? Um, and, and maybe I'm wrong here. You, you, wrong. You, you see, I see the uh, the mm -hmm. big, and believe me, because I'm a huge Universal Movie Monster fan. I sure. literally had a Universal Movie Monster lunchbox that I brought to school. I had Universal Movie Monster action figures. So, like, a, why in the early 1980s this was the case, I don't know. Oh, I but, thought this was grad school. Okay. <laughs> it it, it might have been, but it happened to be that I was, like, five and six years old. For some reason, my dad, like, read me Dracula and the Phantom of the Opera and, and oh, all sorts of stuff like, like that. I read I read movie production history books when I was in elementary awesome. school about awesome. the horror films, too. That, so. that 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 is fantastic. Nice. I, I was yeah. I was so I had seen like five different versions of the Phantom of the Opera by the time I was like seven years old. I was like a huge like nerd of that <laughs> wow. sort of thing. But nice. it, it it strikes me mm -hmm. that if you look at like the height of the initial monster boom, mm -hmm. it's in the early 1930s. It's in the depths of the depression. Right. If you want to talk about a lack of of faith in the government, that's really when the biggest monster boom is by the time okay. you i mean and you you have other monster things going on to the late 1940s i i, I don't want to say that they weren't around but i i think noir okay was bigger yeah. at that time sure um and at least in and then you move into the 1950s more still going and i i think you start to move into yeah 
science fiction in a big way and and you know um yeah well, what, of the body stackers type of stuff what yeah. year was creature from the black lagoon so 15. that again yeah that that is that is one of the ones that uh is, is i think it's like 54 55 or something like that okay, I okay. Have to double, so i'm, double I'm check. off that's that, that's that, that's okay. like that's the last one i remember because okay. the creature from the black lagoon was one of the action figures that i had nice, nice. Yeah. that movie scared the bejesus out of my father at, really? age, okay. at age 10 or 11 he, he went with a friend to see it and uh, he had uh, he had a hard time getting to sleep at night for a week afterward. So yeah, you see, I, it was it was I I liked it when I was a kid, and it was pretty cool. But then I saw it again in college with a professor who was just talking about uh, phallic objective correlatives during it, and it's like it became something completely different to me. So just <laughs> do which is too bad. But but no, I I think there are these cycles in which it, it culturally in which you have like huh. crises of of faith, crises of masculinity, crises of of uh, of of government, and it's reflected on the screen. And I think part of it has to do again. It, it's 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 economic. It's trying to tell a story, and there's a different generation of people who are going to tell a story in a different way, and they're going to recombine things. But ultimately, the angst uh, that people experience on a on a political level mm -hmm. makes it to the screen. And I think when you're talking about people coming home from Vietnam and not knowing what, like, what is the United States? Who are we? What are we doing in the mm -hmm. world? Mm -hmm. What, what, how is the rest of the world finally starting to impact us, us again? And you have a lot of that uncertainty expressed in, in these movies. I don't know if you would call it a neo-noir necessarily. It's, it's on one of the lists that I came up with on the internet, but Dirty Harry certainly uh, exemplifies like many of the visual aspects of that. I think it transcends okay. neo-noir because you're talking about a whole reactionary like film and and that touches off you i mean there, you could almost have a subgenre of of just like reactionary cop films and that would be in itself i don't think that's oh, yeah. neo-noir per se but it has a lot of the visuals it has a lot of the themes like under uh, underlying it so yeah um i think what you're seeing is hollywood responding to all of those things in in a big okay. way um, and and you see it cycle through in a in a bunch of different ways. But you know, even afterwards, even in the even when we seem certain of ourselves mm -hmm. as a culture, as a country, in the 1980s, you still you still get all sorts of stuff. You get uh, you know, blood simple, you get um I guess it was still in the 19 uh uh 80s. Um you know the one with I'm horrible at names like Sharon Stone. Uh, oh, basic, basic instinct. Basic, basic in, in, instinct. The, or, I mean, or you, you, do we mean body of evidence? I, I was thinking basic in, okay, instinct, okay. but but I mean, maybe body of evidence too. That one I haven't seen. But in, you in but you ways, still you also, still see that yeah. profile come come up uh, again. It doesn't go away because it's proven itself as a popular genre. Okay. So stylistically. What is, is, is there, I guess, actually an even, an even more basic question when we talk about noir versus neo-noir, mm -hmm. is it strictly a chronological distinction or is there a stylistic difference between the two? Genres? I, I think it becomes increasingly hybridized stylistically as it goes along. I think, I, I, I mean, some of them 
again, the early ones in the 1970s, I, I think a lot of them are straight up uh, throwbacks, but you incorporate other things into them. They're not, I mean, obviously they're not black and white. You know, they don't all have the low key right. lighting, although Chinatown, Chinatown does have yeah. a, 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 a lot of that. And uh, they they don't necessarily all have a, a classic femme fatale, uh, but you see these things come up that you didn't see before. You see the the you see the visuals, you see the the theme elements, and um, and they they might be in color, they 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 might be modern. You you might see a more powerful uh, a woman come to be, but you can still see enough elements there that you know that it's that it's probably right. a neo noir. Okay. So was there a, a commensurate? Because I'd also mentioned black exploitation films um, coming up at the same time. Uh, was there a commensurate type of uh, film, film, filmic event happening like that, uh, or uh, a, a, a cultural filmic, uh, you know, confluence? Is, is yeah. what you mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I would in in the in the early uh, in the original noirs. Like, was there something going on at the same time, or no? And it would make sense that no, because of how segregated everything had gotten. Well, if you point, again, if you but... want to go back to the 1940s, I think you're ta talking again about a lot of men coming back mm -hmm. uh, from World War II and trying to figure out what again is our place in society. Right. You know, you know, uh, what's what's my job going to be? What's my relationship to 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 the to the women in my life? You know, it's a big, scary time for for white males, and whenever that happens, uh, they then films get made about it. Yeah. Because guess who controls the resources in the film industry? It's white right. males. So, right. Yeah. So, so you know, no, I I I think it's just a different set. Like as okay. we were talking about last time, it's it, it, it's it's after World War Two. We're right. we're a new power in the world, and yet like. Uh, God, I remember an old line from the life of Riley reconversion is going on. Like the industry is, is, you know, people are not, you know, making war products anymore. They're making Fords and, and Chevrolets. There's a lot of turbulence women in the workplace. Are they going to st stay there? And uh, one way of expressing this is like, is, is a, a kind of movie in which you're going down this dark, uncertain path in which there are people at every turn, especially women who can be mm -hmm. treacherous to to you, and it's a reflection of the psyche of the of you know folks at that time. Sure, most mo mo mostly guys coming back from the war, in in my opinion. Right. No, that I you know that that makes a lot of sense, um, and that that fits with. And not necessarily, I would expand it. I would actually say not just uh, guys coming back from the war, but in fact, guys who were promised jobs and those jobs are drying up for the first time. Yeah. Like you had mm -hmm. damn near guaranteed employment for white guys uh, after the there, war. There, there was huge labor action going on right. in the late 1940s, which is why they passed the Taft-Hartley Act. So yeah. there, there was a, there was you know, a, a lot of things to be arranged in how work was going to take place, how industry was going to be formulated. And basically what you ended up with on a political level was, uh, you know, a more reactionary re regime that led into uh, it led into uh, not only economic conservatism, but uh, but the McCarthy era. 
And, yeah. and, 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 and I, it's interesting to me because I think film noir provides a kind of space in which we're exploring that pr- prior to that all kind of clamping mm-hmm. down in a way, because you, you get to be, you know, a, a, a little dirty, a little criminal, a little, uh, a little gritty in a way a that a gray. few years, a little gray. Yeah. yeah. In, in a way that a few years after that, you wouldn't have typically seen on the screen. You know, yeah, it, I mean, it it it, it, be, it became a little a little cleaner, and then like they had to compete with television, and they they blew up with uh, with epics and everything. But but it it seems to be one of those interesting points of flux in which kind of like the rules uh, change. And also, I will mention that in mm-hmm. 1948, the rule the ruling from the Supreme Court came down about vertical integration in the film industry, the ownership of the of the theaters. Mm-hmm. And the owner and the uh, and the method of distribution and the studios, which was ultimately what caused the studio system to fall apart. So you had that going on at the same time, and that cleared more room for independent producers. Who, if you're looking at, uh, you know, crime dramas, those are cheaper to produce than the big studio films sure. um, that uh, that they might have done, you know, five or ten years earlier. Well, and I'm also thinking uh, in terms of uh, comic books, like, you know, in, in the yeah. 1950s, you have, right. I mean, go all the way back to episode one of our of our podcast. Yep. Mm-hmm. In the 1950s, you have the uh, no more gray. There need to be black and white. There need to be good and bad. Um, and you can't do horror anymore as a comic book. You can't do there was there mm-hmm. was like, no, no, there are children here and yeah. you need to make sure that you are not aiding to their delinquency. And then I'm thinking. Those kids grew up and had kids, and now you've got neo-noir, and there's mm-hmm. not nearly as much of a pushback saying, oh, no, 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 can't we just keep it like good guys, bad guys, and that's it? Mm-hmm. There was yeah. much more allowance for for that gray zone. You know, it's 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 kind of weird because like once you reach the 1970s, it becomes it's like a throwback to the 1940s. And in a way that might almost be embraced by, you know, reactionaries. But but if if you look at the things that are actually being talked about, the the basic themes, they are a little bit, I think, subversive and they explore a, a, a space that is not your traditional you know, very structured Hayes office, moral black and white sort of thing. Right. Yeah. By the way, by the way, I just, yeah. I, I'm going to go off the beam here. And I, I saw um, uh baby face with Barbara Stanwyck not too long ago. And that is a, it just like just prior to the, the advent of the, the, the Hayes code, she, Barbara Stanwyck plays a woman who like her dad basically in his speakeasy puts her into like, you know, prostitution. And then she has a friend like, like he dies when it still blows up. And he is like, she, she has a friend who's a cobbler and a worker and she introduces him to, he introduces her to Nietzsche. And he said, you got to go out and exploit people. You have a power over men. And basically she goes to the big city. She sleeps her way to the top and, and um, and in the original version of the movie, she isn't punished. She she makes a choice that you know she develops an attachment to one to um, one of the men that 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 she finally forms an emotional bond with, and and she says, well, maybe money isn't everything. But in the version that they that 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 they later put out, 
They had to take out the stuff about about Nietzsche, and they all and they had to like have her go back to her hometown and basically have have having failed at everything. And I I just I I love those moments in cinema wow. before the rules clamp down. Right, you have an an opportunity. Yeah. To explore those gritty little moments. I mean, like there, there are these moments in 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 that movie where she's like in a boxcar and she like the guy's gonna turn her over to the cops because they're you know they're riding the rails and he says, "No, nah, you come over here." And like they you know they do all this you know and clearly she's you know giving herself to to him in order to make sure that they don't get arrested. Her her and her friend. There's all sorts of subversive stuff you know in in that and you see that in in film noir too before they come down with this 1950s uh shit and i and i just love opportunities when when film gets to say something that's uh that's uh, a little dirty a little gritty a little subversive and that's why i like film noir now i i gotta ask you with this movie because this came out what in the 30s right so this was 33 babyface was 33 And that's definitely definitely code. not a film more. <laughs> right. That's that's pre Hayes code too, right? It just barely, yeah. 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 Although they, so, they although they made edits to it and the version that I saw was oh. the, the pre Hayes code edit. Okay. Okay. And I, oh, if you right. if you uh if you get stuff that uh plays on I have an app that plays stuff for like the last thirty days through Turner Classic Movies. If you get a chance to see that, I hmm. highly recommend it. Okay. Okay. So, cool. so this is thirty three that uh, or so, right? Like it's 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 yep. just yeah. Okay, so it's before Hayes Code. It's just after Talkies got started. Yeah. Um, they're starting to add music to a score under the uh, yeah. under the dialogue. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so you you, I, you you can hear the soundtrack. You know the kind of. Yeah soundtrack in, in, in the yeah. background that mark so, the those uh those wonderful early years of sound yeah yeah and that i've got the whole interest in that that i'm trying to chase down but um but for this question um so that's that's telling a really gritty story um yeah. and and i'm just i'm just trying to think because i know that at that time um, given the research that I've done for uh, Birth of a Nation, totally unrelated, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, cities had <laughs> the ability to ban movies. I did, yeah, I believe that happened. Yeah, so and and that happened. Like they they straight up like the NAACP in some cities actually got the mayor to be like, no, we're not going to. Oh, show that's awesome! Did, that Birth of yeah, is is I I can't remember which cities it was. I have got that list because um, it's part of a lecture I'm giving to my students in mm-hmm. like five weeks. Um, but, uh, and it was, um, you know, uh, basically we, no, this will cause violence toward our black citizens. That's wow. not, that's not okay. Oh. Um, like yeah. they knew at the time, um, did this movie get banned for all of this sex type stuff? I, I don't think so. I think it was okay. one of the, mo- one of a, a batch of movies, including, you know, another couple with uh, Gene Harlow that sort of touched off, you know, this sort of moral panic about, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, like the, all these horrible things are going off. We're, de- we're depicting gangsters in films, you know, with stuff mm-hmm. like, um, uh, see, I never remember the names. I tell you, 10 years ago, you should have had this interview. My memory was much sharper back then. <laughs> but you had like, you had dames who were selling themselves and you had gangsters who were shooting people up. And this mm-hmm. was something that the, that the religious organizations uh, were all riled up about. And so they imposed on themselves, Hollywood, through the through the Hayes office, 
uh, the, the set of this this set of rules. And uh, it wasn't, you know, in spe- specifically in reaction to that, but there was a whole bunch of films like it that that said that caused this reaction and they said okay so that we don't get banned so that we aren't in that situation right. we're gonna Self-police. have this um i don't even remember who he had worked for before but he was a well-known and respected figure and they brought him in and said okay you're gonna we're gonna set these rules in place and we're not gonna let these kinds of script elements go through anymore and so by 1934 when that went into place films uh you know had to deal with things differently and that's wow. how you like get the sort of rep- repression which can be very funny if you have a good writer in it in the screwball comedy which i i know mm-hmm. you are uh are something of an expert in uh, yeah or a, a lapsed expert uh <laughs> <laughs> I find that I'm very modular now, like uh, same as you, like, you know, like, yeah, yeah my memory's not what it used to be. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I, I can refresh and get really expert on something. And then like three weeks later, Ed will ask me, he's like, so you remember when we did the G.I. Joe thing? No, I don't. I What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I remember the thing what that happened. I just don't remember what to call it. Right. That's, yeah. that, that's, that's yeah. the way my memory is degraded. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> so there weren't individual cities that sought to ban this there's not as far as i know no no is at least yeah i i haven't done any sort of in-depth research Mm -hmm. on that but as far as i know there weren't uh there weren't those sorts of things i i've always heard it depicted as a national thing that there were these national religious especially catholic organizations that were protesting about Mm -hmm. you know you know sex and and violence in in films in the early 1930s and you and you you look before pre pre code post code and you and you see a lot of differences i mean sure. you 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 i mean it it's it, it's god i was i was seeing something just today that was what from 1939 the roaring 20s with jimmy cagney humphrey bogart and um they made this the, so there are these guys that are were in world war 2 they're coming back from the war trying to incorporate themselves back into the society and the implication of that particular film is that okay there are all these forgotten men coming back and they all decide to sell booze um you know during prohibition okay sure. so that's that that's the basic plot but he jimmy cagney's coming home and he's telling his bud uh, talking with his buddy telling him how stuff was and just before the scene cuts and they walk out, out of the door he said uh did you did you learn to uh to uh parlez and 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 he's and uh, Jimmy Cagney says pauses for a moment and says just enough and he, and, and he said and his friend goes oh and you know exactly what they're talking about but they don't say a goddamn thing and that's the effect of the Hayes Code it can be right. very clever but yep. it means that everything is is suppressed yes and yeah. you know, yeah. and, and only done by implication. Well, and that's, and, that's and, where screwball flowers there. Yeah. Is, yeah. And, you know, I mean, yeah. cre- creative minds can think of very cool stuff, even under mm-hmm. circumstances like that. And it, it and it isn't necessarily the death of creativity, but it does set a particular set of uh, circumscribed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fun fact, uh, that particular movie, one of the reasons that I was asking about that and that I kind of had an idea of, of, of when um, was because I, I, if I recall correctly, it's from another podcast that I listened to. Um, John Wayne was in it. Yes, that's right. He plays yeah. like one of the minor. He's like a little boy, functionaries a little boy, that Barbara yeah. that Barbara Stanwyck 
um like uh like lures into her uh, clutches and and I, I forget whether it's him or somebody else in the movie but it might have been him i think he like mm-hmm. throws himself out a window or something like that because he's been so like you know damaged but it, it's this it, it's this very like very young very slick backed hair in a, in a suit john john mm-hmm. wayne from 1933 it's very funny to see almost That's as awesome. funny as his whatever uh, movie he was in where he was like a singing cowboy which is absolutely fucking hilarious to listen to oh, john wow. wayne sing almost almost uh uh probably even worse than clint eastwood uh singing in paint your wagon Oof. I talk to the trees. <laughs> I don't know. I never got over that. Oh. And uh, I never truly believed in Clint Eastwood after that. So. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and Gran Torino didn't help. Sure. <laughs> no kidding. Um, okay. So uh, Neo Noir gets going in the 70s. Yep. Um, and uh, it, apparently it does well enough. And also it's at a time where what the epic blockbuster isn't well the blockbuster doesn't exist yet but the epic is kind of dying away as an art form and they're getting into disaster movies um in the yeah. 70s that's that's a thing and then and then jaws and then yeah star wars that's, and that's, then you really you know yeah yeah you get into all these summer tentpole movies and and the focus goes to stuff like that and i think the modern inheritor of that is the is the marvel movie and sure. you know as much as I would like to complain about how Marvel has has ruined everything, I mean, look, big summer movies have been usurping, you know, screen time and audience time for for quite a while. Certainly, as long as 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 I'm as I've been alive. So, you know, well, I the will good, say the good stuff shines through. Sure, you know, it, it'll yeah. it'll be okay. There's there's wonderful stuff that we're making now. As, as as a country and and and, and internationally, and uh, it will survive as long as it knows how to love. You know, it'll be it, great. I it I knows will, it'll be all right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I will say this though that um, with the confluence of the Marvel movie franchise thing, like that, that is a forgive the pun juggernaut unto itself. Um, but uh. That combined with the fact that movies are so goddamn expensive mm. might actually change the difference in degree to the difference in kind here, though. Like, I love Marvel movies. I take mm. my kids to every one of them. But that's about it as far as movies I take them to because I don't have a small home loan that I can take out yeah. uh, to go see the other five movies that month. Yeah, um, I know. Yeah. Yeah. And so and, I, and, and, and the way that we yeah. see them has mm-hmm. I mean, it. it it, it it changes because I mean it, it's the ex- I I, you know, I always wonder like how that impacts the content of the movie and the form of the of the movie because basically most of what we imbibe in terms of even feature length films is mm-hmm. is either in our homes or a lot of the time just on our phone or on our tablet mm-hmm. and 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 that is not the same experience and it, no, and it's, it's got to mean that that they're designing films in in a different way. Well, and mm-hmm. I started I started deciding if a movie is worth taking, like if a Marvel movie, let's be honest, if a Marvel movie was worth taking them to 3D or not. Ah, right. Okay. The, the, uh, any Spider-Man movie? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Doctor Strange movie? Probably. Uh, others? No. No, not unless yeah. I get a discount. But like, you know, th- maybe a big, big, big one. But even those, no. Um, and, and, so... and, the, and the two that I've seen this year, mm-hmm. I will tell you, are 
uh, the new Avatar movie, which okay. which, which, which which I saw twice, mm-hmm. uh, and um, then just this last week, the 20th anniversary showing of The Return of the King, which I saw 20 years later in the same uh, movie theater, and I, and I had oh, to neat. see that again on the big screen, even though I've seen each of them theatrical and extended release each one of those movies like right. dozens of dozens of times i love them but i had to go back and see it on the big screen i am i am so envious i didn't get to do that and i wanted to so badly how is it possible that like in little old medford oregon they show mm-hmm. it but not in sacramento they don't have it well it's it's not well, that it do. wasn't it's, showing it's uh, just that i have a 5 year old yeah <laughs> oh <laughs> and, man and you know trying to trying to arrange time to go what they need movie. to do and and they must have done this somewhere before is is and this look i realize people's schedules are crazy it might mm. not not be workable but they need to take the theater just clear out everything and show each extended version back to back they've got to do that you know well, and then you know like have Half a have a half an hour break in between each movie or or, or, or what have you, but that would be a full day that project. Would, I would yeah. love that. The only way that I could see that happening is if Peter Jackson is getting divorced from his wife and needs to change the movie by about ten percent, so that she no longer gets the royalties for the editing credit uh, of the original version. Because <laughs> oh, like so they have some Godfather type thing, right? Yeah, in yeah, 1997, yeah. Oh, George Lucas oh, re-released God. Star Wars. Uh, and yeah. changed them just enough with special effects that his his ex wife was no longer entitled to royalties because these new versions was and I thought really? it was just a, yes and was I that I, yeah I thought it was just a bankroll the new episode but it turns yeah. out no he changed it just enough and she got taken off of the editing credit so she no longer gets the royalties. Oh talk talk about economics God. and the crisis of masculinity Boy, impacting film. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I so, I I really I enjoyed that. watching I, I didn't those. know that either. Yeah, I really I enjoyed watching those when they, when they came out. Now I feel bad. <laughs> like, well, shit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> good artists can do monstrous things. <sighs> you know? Yeah. Well. Yeah. All right. So, um. Damn it. Yeah, I know. Okay, so neo noir uh, gets gets a rise in in or comes comes about in in the nineteen seventies, um, in the in the nineteen eighties, um, and these are you know I don't mean to cut it into neat tidy chunks of decades because that's not how things work, um, yeah. but in the nineteen eighties, um, do we see noir edging into anything else? Or does it pretty much just completely fade away? Well, I mean, you got stuff like um, you got stuff like Blade Runner, um, and and uh, you know there don't seem to be as many in the 1980s. I, you know, I, I think there are more in the 1990s because mm-hmm. maybe again the the 19 but 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 I but again you still see them from from time to time and you still see the elements of them come up in in different uh, in different films they they but yeah I would say that the 1980s is again one of these more conservative sure eras of film like you know you had starting in the 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 middle 1950s after you know noir starts to to fade away yeah, so without, without I, mean, the they, I mean, there's blood. There's blood. Simple too. I mean, it's the start sure. of the Cohen brothers, and and they do a lot of like what I think could be classified as neo noir, and 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 blood simple is is an excellent uh, ex- example uh, of that. 
but um, yeah, I don't think you see as as, as many do you until you that, and you get till you get to the nineties again. Do you think that uh, Bruce Willis, because he he hits big in the eighties, um, do you think in some ways that his his beginnings in film as well as on TV are a subversion of noir? Because I'm thinking about Moonlighting, yeah. And it's very much the set pieces of yeah. noir. Yeah. And then he goes and does Die Hard. Right. Which there is some hard-boiled detective shit going on there. He's a gray kind of character, and it's comedic on some level. And <laughs> then and, yeah. and he gets the shit kicked out of him. You got the rending yeah. of the flesh. And then he does Hudson Hawk, which is probably the greatest movie he's ever made. Um, And so I'm just, I'm wondering if, if <laughs> like, he is just a res- response. Are you okay there, Ed? <laughs> I think I'm sorry. Ed is joking it's, it's on just, something. It's just, sure. it's just when I, when I, when I hear the truth put so, so blatantly, <laughs> it, it, it creates that kind of reaction. You, sure, you see, sure. to, to, to me, Bruce Willis's films uh, from the 1980s are are more. I mean, it, they come out to me of a of a more reactionary tradition okay. than, than than film noir that's that's what i see like for okay. example i mean like, almost like out of the dirty harry tradition because oh, okay, okay. It, 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 even though i would consider dirty harry to be a borderline sort of sort mm-hmm. of neo-noir i think you're you're talking about a different genre not necessarily where there's a femme fatale and the main character is uh is at the uh, whim of forces beyond his control leading down what is typically a dark path. Usually these characters are are reimposing order and they and they like overcome their obstacles by by the end of their particular path. And I think that's uh, okay. uh, something that resurges towards the, I, I think that's big in the 1980s and 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 aesthetically, it is influenced by noir. I know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. but but I see it as a, a separate branching off that has different yeah. cultural influences. Okay, yeah, because yeah, I was thinking uh, the aesthetic, but at what point does does at what point does the aesthetic no longer kind of act as shorthand into it, if that makes sense? I don't know. I mean, like, yeah. I, I think, I think the aesthetic is is just a big part of the popularity. I think, I think it gains okay. so much like recognition and 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 a coolness factor that that has stuck around longer than the genre itself did. But, but, okay. but the, th- but, but, but you see, like, Dirty Harry and 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 the characters that, um. Uh, you know, Bruce Willis plays uh, you know, c- certainly in the Die Hard movies are they're relentlessly moral. They're trying they're they're they're, mm, they're trying mm-hmm. to realis- reestab- reestablish o- order and and okay. I guess I, I guess maybe yeah. maybe the dividing line would be the between the the seventies and the eighties because although visually you have those those references sure. like your your typical noir hero whether they're in the forties or the nineteen seventies they are they're Typically, they are doomed from the start. They, okay. they, they like either right, either morally right. or, or or literally, they're going to die, and they know it from the beginning. They're either dead or they're dead inside, and they're going down a dark path. And that's then that to me is the key subversive thing. 
Okay. If you're if you're going out and reimposing moral order and you have a happy if you have a completely happy ending, that is not a film noir. Sure. You are watching you are watching a different kind of film. And if Even law and if, order wins, you're if law if law yeah. if law and order has an unmitigated triumph, um, then 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 you are not watching a, a film noir. You see, I, I Harry, Dirty Harry comes a little bit closer because because it, at least in the early films, it it, it admits that wow, this is like, maybe he's going too far, but I mean, but it's, but it's basically still cheering him on. And right. with the, the successive movies, it, it starts almost like parodying itself mm -hmm. to like where you have dirty Harry in the Deadpool. And the last thing he's like shoots a harpoon through the guy at the end, for God's sake. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, I mean, it, it becomes, it becomes ridiculous, but he becomes, but, but nevertheless, like, the basic force there is a moral force. Basically, mm -hmm. Dirty Harry and Bruce Willis uh, both bring their own haze code along with yeah. them. Like, okay. like, like, I mean, their, their own moral structure. <laughs> Maybe not. It, it, it's weird because it's they like. They bring okay, the suppression with them. They do bring the suppression. Yeah. It's, it's so yeah. funny yeah. because there's still the blood. There's still the sex. And they're used in the service of this of this repressive morality. It's just it's just weird stuff that you get into in the 1980s. Just weird shit. Okay. What about Dead Men Wear Plaid? Oh, I love that one. That is so, like that. That's that was such a good idea. I have like um, I I've wanted to do a, like a radio version of of uh, Dead Men uh, Don't Wear Plaid. And the, for those who are not familiar yeah. with the film. Created by, I think, was directed by Carl Reiner, starring mm -hmm. Steve Martin, and and what they do is they have um, he it's done all in black and white. Right. Steve Martin is the protagonist, and he acts against all these other actors that are cut out of film noirs from yeah from the 1940s. Like he's talking to Barbara Stab Stanwyck and Double Indemnity, and they cut back and forth, and that's it, it's just. A, a fantastic parody and and homage to uh the genre i i just i i love that they went in and and like literally took all those pieces of film i i, I think that's that was an incredibly creative thing to do i need yeah. to i need to watch that again thank you for reminding me of that sure sure i am yeah, literally it, writing that down right now it had, dead men don't wear plaid okay it, it had a very similar um I don't even want to say it's certainly not aesthetic, but like it had a similar vibe as what's up tiger Lily did. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, you know? no, I was, I was totally thinking. Yeah. Beca that yeah absurdist because Kentucky fried movie without right. the Zucker brothers zaniness. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's that absurdist, um, clearly a send up of it. Yeah. And it just yeah. like, you know, it, it, it's it's very Reiner and and Martin too. Like they yeah. work together on a number of things. But yeah, yeah you're, that, you're, that you're messing you're messing with the conventions, and you're right. you're using, you know, a, a previous you know movie or style of movie mm -hmm. to to insert your own parody and and content. It's and it, it's like it's it's such a great uh, structure, and I wish people would mess around with stuff like that more. I suspect that they don't do it more because of IP. I, sus mm, I suspect I that they are. Yeah. Uh, God knows how they got away with it when when they when they did, but it must have like the legal for that film must have been very complicated, and I, I and I can't imagine it happening today. I mean, God, Mickey Mouse is still under copyright for for the next year. Yeah. yeah. 
But Although, Steve Willie yeah. isn't. So, well, j- yeah. just barely. I yeah. think I, I, if if um, if I am reading, um, what was it? It was it was last week tonight. John Oliver, and he's and he's he's testing the limits because I guess it's a little later uh, oh. this year that that technically he goes out of copyright, but he's he's pushing it. He's pushing okay. it, which I love. But it's, but, but yeah. anyway, I, I wish people had the opportunity to mess around and remix films like that. Because I think mm-hmm. I think that's an awesome thing to be able to do, and it's a source of creativity that that we we lose. Yeah, it's it's a collage meets found poetry. Yeah, on film, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Fun fact: Gene LaBelle was in that. Um, Gene LaBelle, uh, he. It, it's funny, that, like the little things that touch off is like you know connected to other weird histories that I know. So Gene <laughs> LaBelle was the referee in the boxer versus wrestling match. Uh, with Antonio Inoki and um, Muhammad Ali. Gene wow. LaBelle was the rep. Okay. Uh, he's also known as Judo Gene LaBelle. Um, and he was a pro wrestler in the LA area uh, in the 1950s. And uh, he is, he was this really super tough guy. Like, he's the only one that could have kept Ali and Inoki in line kind of thing. And that's mm-hmm. not hype. That's like, he he was one of the first uh guys to ever enter into a mixed martial arts fight um and uh, but yeah he was in that interestingly enough every once in a while mm-hmm. he would do a movie just to keep his sag card active um deep cuts man yeah yeah, yeah. so i'm going to i'm going to push the timeline ahead fairly dramatically and i got i i have a i have a question for you mm. when we talk about film noir we're 90 90 plus percent talking about movies but on television i want to ask you about one of my absolute favorite tv series of all time that was described and i think in my own head that it fits the description but i want to see what what you think as as somebody who is more of an expert veronica mars gosh um i i would be lying if i said that i had seen it so okay. I, I, I so so I do not know uh, how to respond. I w- I, w- I would have to look at it and uh, and then I would have to tell you because I'm not sure. Okay, um, because because what's, tell me what's about interesting. it. Well, okay, so um, and then there's another film uh, that that is kind of a kind of a kicking off point uh, when you when you think about concepts for for Veronica Mars, uh, the movie Brick. Yes. Yeah, I th- I think that would qualify. Okay. I mean that that th- that I think is like I mean <laughs> I mean the Big Lebowski is a, is 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 an homage to the uh, okay. the yeah. hard the hard boiled detective. I mean the Big right. it comes from from the the Big Sleep. It's almost a direct yeah. tribute to uh, to Philip uh, Marlowe. But yeah, having seen Brick, I mean it's 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 that same structure. It's just okay. like you know set in what nineteen nineties two thousand or whatever. Yeah, whatever yeah, and and. And and the conceit of it is, uh, we're gonna do a we're gonna do a noir movie about a the the title comes from a from a brick of heroin yeah. that that oh. you know is is okay. is the MacGuffin for the right. for the whole storyline, right. and and we're gonna set it in a high school, yeah, and um, so Veronica Mars is a TV series about the eponymous detective Veronica Mars. Mm-hmm. And the very first season follows her obsessive 
uh, efforts to find out who's who's really responsible for the murder of her best friend. Okay. And her father was the town sheriff until he accused somebody very powerful in town of being the killer or being behind the murder. And all of a sudden he got hit with a recall election out of nowhere and he got kicked out of office. And now the, the sheriff is a suck up to all of the wealthy families in town uh, the the dad is now working as a as a private investigator. Her mom couldn't handle the stress and disappeared and skipped out on the two of them. Yeah, and uh, and she has all of the emotional baggage and complex PTSD that you would associate with that. And so it's 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 high school age protagonist and and you know supporting characters. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a female protagonist, and the the beau fatale <laughs> is is one of her classmates, uh, who who is a rich kid who is the son of a of a famous actor, right? Uh, who's played by a famous soap actor, um, who turns out just to be this complete pile of shit of a human being. And um, like it, it has all all of the elements, mm-hmm. but it but it, so- it, it sounds it, like a film yeah, to me. Yeah. yeah, it it but it but it it plays with them in some ways, and it and it um, like it it inverts a lot of the a lot of the gender stuff fairly right. frequently, right? Um, and so God, I want to see that now. Well, my my education my, on noir is incomplete. My my work here is is rapidly approaching a middle. Then, um, <laughs> it 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 re- genuinely it was it was one of my favorite TV series while it was on, um, and I'm and I was I was so 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 sad that it that it went away, um, but she winds up doing all kinds of morally gray sketchy shit to try to to try to get answers and and yeah no it's it's yeah. amazing yeah no that 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 sounds like noir yeah. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, but, but so my, my, I guess my, my follow-up question to that would be what else have we seen in television as a medium that you think would, would fit within, within the genre? Do you think there, do you think there has been very much television done and why or why not? What is so, it about the medium of TV? Right. So uh, um, a couple of different ads. I mean, the one thing that I can think of off the top of my head, and it's obviously very different than noir, but it has a lot of the noir aesthetics is uh, Twin Peaks. Uh, That goes to a lot lot of different places. And, um, and, and, and David Lynch has, has made some, yeah, some, some very uh, neo-noir type movies that, you know, Blue Velvet probably, uh, yeah, okay. counts if counts if you're talking about that. As far as that's the only other one that I can think of, I, and I've got to see Veronica okay. uh, Mars now. I can't think of anything else. And certainly, if you're talking about when, like in the 1950s, 60s, uh, 70s, I can't think of much of anything that goes that comes as close. I mean, it, it it it's on television, like at least until fairly recently. Typically, it's much more conventional. Okay. There's, there, there, there are just not as many risks taken okay. 
because you're talking about what you're trying to put across as an ongoing series as right. opposed to uh, as opposed to a one-time thing. So I, I I don't think until recently they've 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 taken as many risks. I mean, I mean you, okay. you you've gotten a lot more in the 1920s. I'm surprised there haven't been more. But as far as I, I'm aware, there there haven't been. I mean, you you get you get a lot of cop stuff. You got a lot of you know procedurals. You get, exactly, you get a lot yeah, of uh, procedurals. Drama. You get you know good guys win in the end. There's yeah, ex- exactly, and and that's what you have to exactly. There's not enough room to be as complicated. You've got right. you got to deliver a formula. You got to deliver a product, and you got to deliver it every week. It would be a a, a lot more effort and a lot more complicated. And you get probably a much um, smaller audience if you tried to follow a a, a, a noir pattern for okay. uh, for a regular television project. Now, given the structure that you have today, mm-hmm. like you know, I mean, I mean, given that you have uh, Netflixes and and HBOs and all and 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 the setup that you have. You could have something like that. I, I, you know, maybe, maybe the maybe the time is right for it to come, but I, I'm not aware of it. Okay. What about? Well, I we're we're jumping we're jumping ahead a bit, but um, we were in we were in the '80s, uh, and you touched on Twin Peaks, so that in many ways will bring us into the '90s, where lo and behold, you see a resurgence in um, uh, screwball comedies again too. Uh, Steve Steve Martin and Goldie Hawn, Steve Martin and Queen Latifah by the end of the decade. And then there's like four of those. He's got all the genres, Kevin. He really, I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, also like the the fifth best banjo player in the world. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, I know. And, I and he banjo. has said it's because he keeps living and the other ones keep dying off. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but keep uh, taking your vitamins, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you you see that resurgence, and and you had spoken a bit of of that of noir coming or neo noir or neo maxi zoom noir. I don't know what the next generation of noir is, but um, noir noir headroom. I think noir headroom. There you go. There yes, oh, nice. So. Which so so, and I'm 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 kind of cutting in here, but I need to get, I need to get this out before I before I forget it. Where would you draw the line? Because because Max Headroom, the TV series, had all kinds of noir elements to it. You, you know, I, I I said that, and I wasn't even thinking about it. But it kind of is. I mean, it was it was pr- a pretty short lived thing. And it, again, it's like its cultural impact has really been just kind of that that visual and that 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 weirdness. But you're right. If you look at the actual show, it was kind of a noir show. You're yeah. Right. No, um, no, no. Th- th- that's a that's a good point. I should have that I, that should have occurred to me. But you're you're right. It's it was kind of a a flash in the in the pan kind of thing. But but it was it was it was a mystery. And he was like going down all these dark paths. It, it, it doesn't fit perfectly. But from from everything that I remember, it's been a long time since I've seen mm-hmm. the series. It was it was it was it was that sort of thing. Yeah. You're right. Okay. Okay. All right. We come up with another one. All yeah. right. So Twin Yay. Peaks is is not because uh, Agent Cooper and Harry Truman both represent the forces of good, yeah. um, and and there's also surreal shit that you would never find in noir. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and 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 I mean, it's David Lynch trying noir, maybe, but yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I I certainly see the aesthetics there, sure. um, yeah. and uh, just the the God the the use of sound in that series, yeah. like. I'm especially sensitive to sound, I think, when it comes to stuff like that, because 
when they pull out the music completely. And then you hear Laura Palmer screaming like it just oh, it like uh, <laughs> my ex-wife, I got her to watch it all with me. Um, and, uh, she said after, afterwards, she's like, I think you watched this when you were too young. I, I think it actually traumatized <laughs> you and, and <laughs> set left a mark on your psyche. Yeah. And she might be right because I would have trouble going to bed after that. Um, but as an adult, even like it just, you know, sense memory, but, um, so I could see, uh, certainly aesthetics of it. Um, is there? You said there's kind of a revival in the '90s. What What are we looking at in the '90s? That you is know, I, to the Marty. extent that I can think of more that fit that profile mm-hmm. in the '90s than I can uh, in okay. the '90s. I mean, like the Coen Brothers. Uh, you know, to a certain extent, Quentin uh, Tarantino. Um, I, see, think, I could see uh, that because Vincent yeah. Vega is not a good guy. Samuel Jackson's not a good guy, and right, yeah, in exactly. many ways, there's yeah. that very gray. And obviously, you've got the the Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Um, and, um, what do you call it? Uh, chasing or raising Arizona. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. all well, that's, out. yeah, that's, yeah. Again, that, like that's a you funny get one, more and but, more yeah. like of these and the same is, is true of Fargo too. Cause it's like, Oh yeah. You, you, you oh, don't, Jesus. you don't see like humor is not a, a big thing in, in original film noir, but I, I, right. I, 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 there's so many efforts of the Coen brothers that I, I, I have to put it into that category. I mean, they're clearly inf- influenced by it in in so many different ways. And again, the the big Lebowski. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's it, it is a it is a love letter to it Raymond is. Chandler. It's a it's a mm. love letter to film noir, and it's just setting it up. And and you you don't have to know about film noir to to enjoy that movie, but it makes the experience of it like so much more interesting because they are following the same kind of serpentine path that, that, that Raymond Chandler, like I want to, I'm trying, I'm trying to remember specifically what the story was because Raymond Chandler, when they adapted the big sleep, Mm -hmm. um, if I'm recalling this correctly, maybe I'm getting my facts wrong. You know, I'm 47 years old now, so forgive me. Um, I believe it was okay. So something happened, and uh, a car went over the edge of a pier in the 1946 adaptation of *The Big Sleep*. And Humphrey Bogart uh, is trying to get his motivation or whatever, and he says to he he says to uh, uh, well, what happened to this guy? Is because he doesn't really ever show up again. What happened? What happens to him? And he asks. I, I think it was actually William Faulkner who was writing the this, the screenplay, mm-hmm. and he asks him, "Well, what what happens to to, to this guy?" And he says, well, "I don't know." And he he goes and he asks uh, Raymond Chandler, who wrote the original book. Well, what happens to this guy? And Raymond Chandler didn't know. It's like there are all these dead ends <laughs> and like circuit, circuitous uh, paths uh, that 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 go on. And and uh, when you think about it in the context of the Big Lebowski, it's stupid and ridiculous, and there are all these weird like red herrings and nothing really oh, yeah. connects. But that's how like a, a lot of the original stuff was, and it's sure. and it's a loving trick. In addition to the great you know sort of pastiche of the ni- uh, of the nineteen nineties, it it is it is a really kind of accurate tribute to the tone and style of 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 both film noir. And the hard-boiled uh, detective novels of Raymond Chandler. It reminds me of like when you'll hear uh, Jimmy Fallon mm. sing as though he's Neil Young, 
but he'll <laughs> sing uh and he does such a good job of it it is it is brilliant yeah. he'll sing as though he's neil young and he'll sing the fresh prince of bel-air <laughs> yeah in that's, that style. that's a like, good way of describing the big lebowski yeah. it's a genre bender yeah if, if you will you know because yeah. i'm thinking about it i'm like there's nothing about it that on paper isn't noir right yeah yeah you know yeah. like nothing <laughs> that, that's you, right but but you, yeah. what's funny is that when i go and i i see it i just go it gets so immersed and i never think about that i mean right. I, I i never I, I think about it afterwards and i'm thinking about it now but i just like get immersed in in in, in what that movie does mm-hmm. and and the dialogue in that movie is just is just so fantastic that it's easy to get caught up at, and not think about the structure but the structure is there when you step right. back and look at, at it it's the it's the whole it's thing a, it's a, a twisted set of mean streets down which um you know our hero goes yeah i mean he's he's motivated by uh you know he's he's assaulted in his own place of business you know because mm-hmm. he's he's unemployed so it's in his home um <laughs> yeah. you know so it's just like that you know they keep like jabbing at it but like mm-hmm. you know his whole relationship with maude i mean there's your femme fatale yeah. but yeah He's not that fatal, you know. No, and, no, no. Yeah, yeah it's it it's, just, it's 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 yeah. gentle and loving, and and yeah, there is it, it, there is like, uh, you know, a, a death at the end. It's just not like really who you uh, right. who, who, who you who you expect it uh, it to be. And, and there's, there's like a rending a, of the flesh. Somebody loses their toe. You know. That's right. That's, that's right. Yeah. No. It's. <laughs> oh my god! And you have Bunny offering to fillet him for a thousand dollars. So you that's have right. the the sexual part aspect of it too like yeah oh, there's yeah man yeah there, there's just no like <laughs> I, I'm just trying to picture him in uh, like a, a fedora and a, a princess Mara tie and it's like wide right. 1947 lapels or something like that that would, <laughs> that, that would be horrible but um, I mean but basically yeah everything else is there and that's and that's why you don't as a as a film noir because it because it 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 does such a good job of like hitting all these like 1960 1990s uh southern california cultural like touch in 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 such a great way so okay by the 90s i mean noir has kind of uh, in in as much as it is existing at all it exists as a send-up of itself like it has become a formula a structure it has become yeah. so it's, it's far been adapted from what it was. by so yeah. many by by so many other films like yeah. like there 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 are few films that i think you could call like out and out film noir noirs or even neo noirs unless they're like specific like you know reboots or something like that although like once you get to 2000 and you get to memento that's, that's it, okay that, yeah. that's that that's a pretty strong one right there and uh, um, I mean, if we're going Nolan, we're also looking at insomnia as well. You have a cop who yeah. is dirty, who is yeah. questioning his moral compass. And I mean, it's literally, I mean, it's in yeah. Alaska and he's he's talking, it's too fucking bright in here. And she's like, it's dark yeah. in here. That is, that yeah. is noir. I mean, that's, he's living <laughs> right. in a twilight yeah. type thing. Okay. Yeah, so, no. so the and, 90s, and, and, and he, yeah. and he uses it, you know, he uses it stylistically, you know, right. in, in the dark night and, and, and many of his, many of his other films but but you're yeah. right those those two specifically mm-hmm. i think come within the canon okay so so the 90s the economy's doing pretty well uh there's no real crisis of masculinity that i can point to that's as universal yeah. for white men yeah. um 
as because you know it, it, <laughs> welfare reform is for the poor's and uh That's enough right. white men weren't the poor's so it was okay yeah. um and then you get to the 2000s and we're back at war yeah um and yeah. and interesting there's an there's an uptick in neocons which is yeah. um a shittier version of the liberals of the 90s uh <laughs> and uh, From neo noir to neocons, right? And and there is some doctrinal important differences there. So I'm not I'm not yeah. trying to say it's, you know it, it's theory, but... it's interesting because yeah I I don't see I don't see a similar noir resurgence. I mean yeah we're probably looking at like yeah maybe there's some other kind of film, but I yeah I'm, I'm not I'm I'm not seeing it. I I I haven't. Yeah. I mean I guess Brick really is the the one that I can think of most most recently but i'm I, i'm not seeing in response to 911 and the crisis right that you know of of the war on terror uh that uh that film noir is is the response maybe it's because the war on terror is still going on the boys never came home and we just we just uh never uh reasserted our cultural hegemony and there was uh, no uh, crisis in coming to that because we just never got there well, also, there weren't that many boys going off, too. I mean, yeah, there's an all volunteer army by this point. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's not a universal experience. That's oh, we thank them for yeah. their service. There's TV commercials of them coming home, and we all yeah. applaud them. And now let's go back to the game. Like, there's yeah, there's that yeah. going. In. I am wondering though, like there there are a few like there are a number of addiction based movies. That come mm. out in the 2000s. I'm thinking Requiem for a Dream. I'm thinking Blow. I'm thinking things like that. Not noir at all. Yeah. Um. And it's almost like that gray area is now taken up with, uh, polemics about drugs and dr drug culture and addiction. Um, yeah. And yeah. That sounds. Yeah. Sounds about right. So noir ceases to be a movement then, and it becomes um, garnish. An aesthetic, maybe. Yeah. 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 Um, do we see anything come? I mean, you, you mentioned Blade Runner from 81, which is what got us into this whole noir yeah. mess to begin with in the first place. Um, and then <laughs> let's see, there's a new Blade Runner that just came out, what a year or two 20, ago? yeah, yeah, Blade yeah. Runner 2049 from what, what is it? 19, uh, I want to say 2019, uh, 17? okay, yeah, no, shit, now I'm trying to remember, it was either 17 or 19, yeah, it was before the pandemic, that's yes. when I saw it in a movie theater, yes. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um and in fairness, seventeen and nineteen blend a lot. Um, my dentist mm. told me the other day, yeah, we haven't seen you since twenty seventeen. I'm like, no, no, you mean twenty nineteen. He's like, No. So apparently <laughs> those two numbers mm. are easily blended. Um yeah. but uh okay, so I mean you've got that, but again, they're they're just little pop ups or they're remakes or Yeah. What happened to the man? We we need a noir yeah. resurgence <laughs> because it because I yeah, I am not seeing much of it recently. I did have this thought. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. we know. Speaking of intellectual property, yes. Speaking of Steamboat Willie, we know that the the copyright on Winnie the Pooh has has run out, and we we just saw Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey, so we yes. got the horror genre taken care of. We need. I say, yeah, yeah. I'm for a Pooh Noir, yes. uh, to okay. be released upon the globe. I like it. I, Somebody the, kills the, the, the time has come. 
well, I, you know, I, well, I, no. I think that pig, well, Kanga can, you see, Kanga is such a tangential character. I almost think make the her should be the, make her the, the, the Diabolique though. Make her the, the, she's the ben only Cusel. one that fucks in the entire hundred days. She's the only one that's reproduced. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like her and Goofy. Oh my God. We need a Goofy <laughs> movie. Noir. Like it's good. That's going to be decades yeah. though, man. Like, yeah. like oh yeah. Goofy. True. Goofy, goofy noir, but 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 we can do Winnie the Pooh. Okay, like like Eeyore, Eeyore fits the 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 pessimistic tone. Yeah, I think I th- I think we I think we Piglet becomes the the equivalent of the of the femme fatale somehow, and and oh, rabbit, is, rabbit is rabbit is doing some ne- nefarious like shit. It. Yeah, I like it. I, I think Piglet's Tigger dies. Obviously, yes, yes, of, yes. Of an well, he went one yeah. bounce too far. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You want to do a bump? Hoo hoo! Did you mean? Did you mean bounce? No, no. Um, But okay, have have Eeyore be the main character then? Yeah. Yes. 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 You're right. Yeah. Totally. Yes. No. You're absolutely right. Okay. Yeah. He is the protagonist. Yeah. And have have down down these dark streets. Say down these mean streets. uh, A donkey must go who is not necessarily himself mean. The the kind of really depressed. The kind of place you could drop your tail and not notice for three blocks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can hear the voice, man. I can hear (laughs) the voice. Right. Oh my god! And you could you could absolutely have the gopher show up as like one of the heavies. (laughs) No. Okay. So here's the thing, though. Mm -hmm. Gopher is a creation of Disney that came from the stuff in the 1960s. Oh, you're right. Since this is based on the IP of the books, Gopher is non-canonical, and I don't think you could do it with the gopher, unfortunately. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay, but yeah, we, I think we, I think we got a place having... by the Hayes Code rules here. Yeah, that's and, true. <laughs> and rabbit, rabbit, and his family are clearly the mob. He, totally. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. His 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 friends and relations. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um. No, I like this. I like this. Uh, is there anything else we should noir up? Um. Oh man. Yeah. You know, now that I think about it, we haven't. Marvel is great about doing genres within Marvel, right? So you have heist yeah. movies, you have espionage yeah. movies, you have yeah. Yeah. they have not done a noir. Yeah. And and I think on some levels we're about to see that because Secret Invasion, Nick Fury and the Secret Invasion, yeah. where the scrolls and all that kind of shit. I mean, it's gonna be more espionage. Yeah. And he's but... still protecting Earth, but aesthetically <clears throat> there's a lot of darks. Yeah going on in there as far as the lighting goes i don't know i mm. but I, I do think you could introduce a character and do a noir uh through oh, that yeah. oh yeah you know it occurs to me mm-hmm. i did not see this in the in the theaters and it went by really quickly but liam neeson actually did a movie called Marlowe, oh. which was which, which mm-hmm. used the the raymond chandler character i i've i've got to see it okay. i have not yet i have a feeling it's going to be absolutely atrocious I just, okay. I just have have that vibe <laughs> given the trajectory of uh, Liam Neeson's career. Yeah. <laughs> uh, God, that's so sad too. I know. I know. Um, I guess we should probably look for a Star Wars noir as well. Star noir. Star noir. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. that, yeah, that I mean, could you, easily you, be done. Oh, but, yeah, well, yeah, okay. The big galaxy. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. Um, that that needs to be an adaptation of the Lando Calrissian stories. That's good. You got you got to get the okay. bar on, uh, on yeah. Tatooine in there. Yeah. Uh, he somewhere. leans down and finds some spice on some girl's nose. Hello. Yeah. What have we here? Yeah. yeah. You, you, mm-hmm. Yep. 
I can see yeah. that. I can see that. Okay. Cast yeah. cast Donald Glover. Yes. Obviously. Yeah. And yes. and have Billy D. Williams do the voiceover. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Minos, this planet that never stops raining. Yeah. Every person looks just like the last, largely yeah. because they're cloners. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Like, I like this. I like this. There, you see, there are possibilities. Hollywood, <laughs> we have the ideas. Yeah, the I reboot is so ready to pop. Yeah, I, I I fully agree here. But beyond Shadow that, reboot. it seems like noir has died. Like it's it's lived past its usefulness, which is weird. Well, you see, it's, it's been absorbed. It's been absorbed into yeah. the board. It hasn't died. It's just become this this set of cultural references. Okay, and 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 people and people know what they are. But it's but but the genre itself and what it really was and what it mm-hmm. represented. And and the um, the, the counter hegemonic stuff that was in there, mm-hmm. the challenging things, those mm-hmm. of what is what's eaten away. But the fedoras and the and the cigarettes and the cool dresses and the sure. low key lighting, that stuff has has been grabbed and it's been thrown to a thousand different places. So we'll always have yeah. you know L.A. in the 1930s, so to speak. Yeah. But uh, but but we need to revive the heart of it. Not just the look of it. Do you well, think, I think. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I go I ahead. think um, part of the part of the thing is the the anti hegemon spirit, the the cynicism, yeah, the all of all of that stuff. Um, I kind of I'm I'm tempted to say that the torch for all of that kind of got picked up by punk as a yeah. movement. And in in genres of of media, um, I know that a lot of that has been absorbed by uh, cyberpunk. Like when we when yeah. we talk about when we talk about uh, you know Blade Runner, obviously is right. kind of the kind of the, the codification of of a lot of those uh, a lot of those kind of tropes. And then um, William Gibson. Uh, was writing uh, his sprawl trilogy, the, the first novel of his sprawl trilogy, when Blade Runner came out, and and he wrote to a friend of his, going, "There's no way the book is ever going to get fucking published now, um, because everybody's going to think I'm ripping off uh, Blade Runner, like hmm. son of a bitch, you know." Um, but all of that suspicion of corporate interests, all of that, uh, you know, the, yeah. the viewpoint of cyberpunk that. Um, the world is not going to be a utopia in the future. Yeah, you know all, yeah, all right. of all of yeah. that. I think is the is is that 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 same set of anxieties uh, or or a related set of anxieties and a related set of cynicisms um, picked up and translated by a new generation. If that makes yeah. sense, yeah. No, I, I I think you're right. I think that is is the core. That that to me is is the essence of of noir, like that 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 grittiness and and digging in and finding out what's really going on within the power structure. Um, mm-hmm. off, and and literally, I, this is how like Raymond Chandler novels. I mean, certainly how the big big sleep begins. I mean, you're you're digging into uh, you know a mystery uh, at the behest of a of a really wealthy person, and mm-hmm. and you find out, out like the family secrets, and eventually people want you to step 
stop digging because mm-hmm. you're digging up things that, that you shouldn't be. And that absolute that that and and that absolutely that and the and the violence and the dirtiness and the corruption that that actually that torch is absolutely taken care uh, taken mm-hmm. up by the, the sort of you know cyberpunk uh, genre that you're talking about. It's getting excited that he's finally going to get to do cyberpunk on the on the podcast in the few <laughs> episodes. Um, so okay, so I said I said that it was dead, um, and you said no, it's it's been absorbed and it's it's a part of you know the 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 filmic lore. The yeah, it's, yeah. it's become the wallpaper. Fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The crisis of masculinity oh, has also become our wallpaper. Like, there's no big event that's causing that now now it's just fucking there all the time right it's like, just ambient it is i don't yeah, know man i've been mean, become ambient and noir, noir definitely yeah. has i I, yeah. I think the crisis of masculinity is constantly being hashed out in one one way or another if if a soup if if a super i'll be damned if like like superhero movies are, are don't somehow express the crisis of masculinity i mean there's all sorts of stuff going on there I mean, you know, is, you know, I, I know, I know, I know it's a lot more complicated than yeah. that, but, but, but like the whole concept of, of, of a superhero and, and a big, you know, muscled, you know, sure. guy, I mean, that, I mean, it's, I mean, that's going on and it's not just, and it's not just Marvel movies. I mean, no, no, but uh, yeah, no, we're, we're constantly in crisis. I don't know. We're so emotional. Right, that part. We're so emotional. What's wrong <laughs> yeah. with us? Why can't we just calm down? Just calm down. <laughs> but that's that's kind of what I'm saying, though, it. is that like, I mean, you know, you know, I'm a teacher. So, of course, I look at every shooting, um, yeah. but uh, yeah. which is busy. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we have constant lockdown drills and there's I mean, there's so much stuff about men trying to control other men and women and everything in between and on both sides uh, and, and and make sure that like goyles are goyles and men are men exactly right, right. Mm-hmm. and so yeah. it just seems like that crisis has no longer been because of a specific trauma and disaster it is just a part of our culture now it's a it, yes it's an explicit yeah. part of our culture and it's an explicit part of uh of our politics and it, mm-hmm. it is like it is what one political party is essentially like using to That's how they to wrap votes. stuff up to desperately yeah. cling to power yeah. any way it possibly can yes so, so that being so it would make sense then that noir wouldn't come in as a big like six years of noir mm-hmm. movies again yeah because there's there's no crystallization Right. Yeah. There's no as, as, as weird as it seems, for condensation. Yeah. As, as weird as it seems, it's like it's it's kind of too subversive. I mean, like like we. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, it doesn't it, seem weird at all. We get rid of subversive shit right away. You know. I mean, the word revolution <laughs> was used to sell Sprite in the '90s. You know, <laughs> like hair was hippie chic, and the hippies were already a bit of a problem. Um. Uh, you know, stuff like that. I mean, it's just. You remember when uh, Kylie Jenner or one of the Kardashians? Oh yes, that's right. The Black Lives Matter protest. Yeah. And here's Pepsi. Right. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, thanks for that. You know. Mm. Thank so, you. Thank you, know. you, fellow billionaire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We will keep your your property safe. Don't you worry. Yeah. Um, 
our capitalist overlords have told us that this cause is is okay yeah (laughs) okay well um well shit that was bleak uh yeah i don't know like yeah Yeah. it's 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 better i think when we can look to our screens for bleakness uh, Mm -hmm. as opposed to our streets and 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 our halls of government because Mm. that seems to be where the bleakness is emanating from at the moment i i would rather do some psychic working out of things uh on the big screen and be in that position and be in a more hopeful uh position in terms of the landscape because even though there was a hell of a lot of stuff going on in the 1940s and there was some really you know, shitty things going on in in the south and, and they were trying to crush the labor movement it, it seemed like there was more ambient hope at least mm-hmm. from what i know of 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 the history and right I, now I we think, seem to be on the downslide yeah i i think i think that's a fair read um ambient yeah. optimism if not hope yeah at that yeah. point you know yeah. you had activity because we had just kicked hitler's thing. ass well, yeah, but yeah. I mean, you had the okay. Now let's roll up our sleeves and do something about it here at home. Yeah, and yeah, and People interestingly, think of that. our movies now provide an escape from the bleakness that you're talking about, right? And provide an escape to such an extent that they are completely unattainable escapes. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm not a yeah, yeah. The other, they're they're too know? distant for they're too yeah. fantastic. That's the yes. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and they're getting more so. Yeah, so. Well, good stuff. Thanks for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, dude. I'm such a bummer, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, we right. did bring you in for film noir. It's not like yeah. So it. you know, I mean, yeah, we we knew what we were getting into yeah. with that. So oh, it was well. a snake when you picked it up. Thank you for having me on, guys. It's it, it, it's it, it's a blast. I didn't think I was going to be able to talk about anything this time around. I, I figured I had blown my load because I did the college class on the one thing, and then I'm coming back on neo noir to talk about something that uh, I didn't take a class on, but. Uh, <laughs> You, with your guys' help, your incisive questions, and a little bit from Wikipedia, we made it all happen. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, you read the article. You clicked right. on the link and you yeah. went to the yeah. article. Yeah. 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 Do you have any uh, any books you would want to recommend to people? Uh, books? Oh, my gosh. I have just started a fantastic book uh, in audiobook form that my daughter recommended to me today. Not because she read it, but because somebody recommended it to me. And it is fantastic. It is called Health Communism. And mm-hmm. I am really, really digging it. I, I tell you, I've read, read a couple books on, on on leftist, socialist, like political theory the last, uh, the last couple of months. And I, I have never read such dense stuff like since my college days and i'm getting back into it again and it's completely like reshaping my mind health communism it 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 is really good stuff that you know it's it's the kind of um it's the kind of book that uses words like practice praxis and imaginary as a noun so be aware of that it's dense but it, it it is good and it just Makes so many doors open in my mind. Highly recommended. Nice, uh, Ed. How about you? What are you recommending? Uh, well, I'm I'm going to uh, recommend a found, well, maybe not foundational, but an important work within the cyberpunk genre because, again, I'm looking forward to getting to talk about it. Um, and it's uh, <clears throat> listeners may remember the name from another recommendation of mine by Masamune Shirao. 
from uh, Japan. It is a manga entitled Appleseed, um, in which uh, the two main characters are, uh, well, one of the main characters is a cyborg, um, and they both are part of the police force uh, for an engineered utopia. Um, and it gets into a lot of the backstage. No, no, really. What dirty tricks would you have to do to make a utopia work? Hmm. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a great series. Um, I devoured it when I was in high school. Um, and so, yeah, highly, highly recommended. The, the art is amazing. Uh, Shiro is really great with technical details. Mm-hmm. So when he, designs a power suit or a a cyborg um yeah there's there's just an amazing level of imaginative detail to it so highly recommended how about right. you what's what's the title again apple seed by okay. masamune shiro excellent you can find that at any an antique bookstore since ed read it in high school <laughs> um, you... the robot's good to me and so i think the robot <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, I'm going to recommend a screwball comedy and film noir unexpected connections by Thomas C. Renzi. Um, nice. He specifically analyzes um, the lady Eve and his girl Friday uh, and compares them to Gilda and Sunset Boulevard. But mm. there's also a lot of other uh, things that are brought into it. So, um, hmm. yeah, I'm going to we'll check that out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, cool. Well, cool. Uh, Let's see, Ed. Where, where do you want to be found anywhere this week or no? Uh, no, I do not want okay. to be found this week at all. all right. Thank you. I will tell people you can find me. Let's see. As of this recording, I'm gonna say the June second show of Capital Punishment. You probably just missed it. Um, so hold on to your money for the July seventh show of Capital Punishment uh, up here in Sacramento. Uh, it's gonna be at Luna's. It's gonna be fantastic. Uh, got some really good people booked on it. Um, so bring $10, bring another $10 for merch and nachos and support Luna's um, and enjoy the ride as far as that goes. Uh, Beowulf, where can people be, find you if you want to be found? Go you can find me on the podcast Facepalm America and you can go to facepalmamerica.com to look through past episodes, to connect with us on social media. And uh, you can actually... Call us, text us if you want, and you can find the number at facepalmamerica.com. Very cool. Excellent. Well, uh, on behalf of uh, Ed and myself, uh, Beowulf, thank you so much for joining us uh, for these two episodes. It has been yeah. an absolute pleasure. Uh, yeah. I really enjoyed hanging out with uh, you guys, and uh, thanks for having me on. And now I got a bunch of movies to see and a bunch of books to read. And uh, let's uh, let's do another episode in five years and uh, see what we've read, see what we've absorbed, see what we learn, and see if the crisis of masculinity has finally been solved. <laughs> I like it. We can I like hope. It. I like that plan. Yeah. yeah. And if not, we'll just you know throw some raw meat uh, up and and uh, eat it. That'll be good. Yeah. There you go. So well, right on, brother. <laughs> for Geek mm-hmm. History of Time, I'm Damien Harmony, and I'm Ed Blaylock. And until next time, keep rolling twenties. <laughs>